0: Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Waldey? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay. Now, I'm a bit confused today because, for the, well, you might say I'm always a bit confused, okay, but um, for the last however many months, we've had like a little runway of... of Gaffer tape on the floor to show me where I'm allowed to stand. And that's gone so that the people in here don't see the mess we've, uh, we've been making. So I hope I'm stood in the right place. That's okay. Um, I might even move. Is that a bit more central? Is that better? Okay, well, welcome to Church Online and Church in, in, the, in the flesh, in the round. Uh, welcome to those who are here. Uh, but I want to carry on our series today on 1 Timothy. So if you do have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I am going to be reading from verses 12 to 20 in the message version, but please read along with whatever uh, version you have. But I want to start by asking you this Have you ever had a comment that's been made about you that has stuck with you, that you've felt labelled by? Maybe on a school report. Have you ever had that one word that's been said about you on a school report? Maybe, Megan, Matthew, and Daniel, maybe you've had something that's been said and you've not liked it, although I can't imagine that's possible because it'll just be glowing. You know, one, one teacher at Newban's used to say he wished he had a class full of Theodokers, didn't he? So, you know, that would, that would be good. But school reports used to be a thing of dread, both as a teacher and as a pupil. Writing them as a teacher was a pain. But actually, as a pupil, you used to worry about that one comment that would stick with you, that you wouldn't be able to throw off. Some comments that I've read online in other people's school reports include this. On his last report, your son had hit rock bottom. This term, he started digging. So, you know, obviously he didn't think he could go any lower, but unfortunately that's the sort of thing he's left with. I don't know who that child is, but for the rest of his life he'll be thinking, I'm not good enough. Or another one, this student should go far, and the further away the better. That's that's a bit harsh, isn't it? It's a bit harsh. I'm sure there's teachers in this room, you've never written anything like that, have you, Babs? No, never written anything like that. As a teacher... Uh, Ofsted had an even bigger fear. Their report was always a bit worrying because especially in the beginning of Ofsted, you could have outstanding. We all want to be outstanding, don't we? You know, like the farmer, outstanding in his field. But um, outstanding. Then you had good. It seemed like a massive gap from outstanding to good. And then third, the pass was satisfactory. That's a horrible word, isn't it? Satisfactory. But actually, today I want us to flip some of those words on their heads. Because satisfactory doesn't sound as good as Ofsted's outstanding. But satisfactory actually means it's good enough. It's good enough. And today, in today's reading, Paul talks about himself and says, I am adequate. That's another word a bit like satisfactory, isn't it? That actually is a bit... uh, Adequate. Would you like to say, yes, I'm adequate at this? You know, you don't see many people going on MasterChef saying, I've come out because I'm adequate at cooking. You know, that's not a real glowing report. But when you think about that word, it brings on much more meaning. Adequate means good enough. Good enough. Sufficient. We often say that Jesus, you know, his grace is sufficient for our needs. That means it's enough. Would you like to be enough this morning? Yeah? We all want to be enough, don't we? And actually, if I said, do you want to be good enough, then that's okay as well, isn't it? To be good enough is a great thing. So when you hear the word adequate or satisfactory, we need to recognize it means you're good enough. You're good enough. It fulfills a need. We spend life wanting to be more than and feeling insufficient, yeah? You might feel what you want to be more than And yet you never reach it. So today, let's rejoice that God has made you and me good enough for him. And if I'm good enough for him, that's good enough for me. We are good enough. As we go through 1 Timothy, the theme is building the church family. Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him to build his kingdom, to build his church here on earth. And it means saying and accepting that God says you are good enough. You are. Say it to yourself, maybe. I am good enough. Because that's what God says. You are good enough. You are adequate. You are enough. Last week, as we read the beginning of 1 Timothy, we saw what was pointless and what was the point. It's pointless to get involved in silly arguments, it's pointless to get involved in conspiracy theories. The point was to love abundantly, to love outrageously, to love with overwhelming need. This week, I want us to talk about being grateful for His grace. And I want to say we need to get a grip. Okay, Maybe you've said that to each other this morning. Get a grip. You need to get a grip. Let's read from 1 Timothy, chapter 1. And I'm just going to start at verse 12. Just 12 to 14 to begin with. Paul says this, I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to do his work, for making me good enough to do his work. He went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought to it were invective, and witch hunts, and arrogance. But I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was doing it against. Grace, mixed with faith and love, poured over me and into me, and all because of Jesus. just going to stop there. Because the first thing this week that's going to help us build his kingdom and build his church is to give thanks for what God has made you to be. Today, whoever you are, whatever your background, give thanks that God has made you, you. To be grateful that you are good enough for him. All of us are good enough for him because Jesus raised us up there, raised us to his level. Paul writes this as someone who is treating God and God's followers with total hatred, total contempt. And yet God says to Paul, this man who hated, who persecuted, who tortured and imprisoned, he says to Paul, Paul, you are good enough for me. You are good enough to do what I've called you to do. So this morning, we start with that church, you are good enough to do what God has called you to do. People often joke, don't they, about dads being protective of their daughters. You know, we've got a few daughters in here and dads, you're very protective of our daughters. We're protective of our sons too, but we want someone that's good enough for our children, who is good enough for them in the future. I want the same for both of my kids. I want the same for those that are foster, Corey. Someone who is good enough. If I said, Chloe, I would like your boyfriend slash husband, partner in life, to be adequate, it feels like I'm setting up for something that not as good as I hoped. Chloe, I'd like m- your boyfriend to be adequate, please. You know, Can you imagine that? But Paul says, I am adequate. I am good enough. And if it's good enough for God then it's good enough for everybody. If you are good enough for God, you are good enough for everybody. Paul writes to Timothy saying, it's because of Jesus that we're good enough. Without Jesus, we are inadequate. That's the opposite. Without Jesus, we're not good enough because we can try as hard as we like and we can do as many things as we like, but without Jesus, we are inadequate. We are less than and insufficient. And today, what made the difference to Paul can make all the difference to us. What made the difference in Paul's life can make the difference to us. And what do these verses say made the difference? Grace mixed with faith and love. Is it trying harder? No. Is it doing more? No. Is it position or status? No. Is it religion or knowledge? No. It's God's grace mixed with faith and love. We've said before that grace is defined as God's riches at Christ's expense. That we've been given the entirety of God's kingdom because Jesus paid the price. He gave everything so that we could be good enough for God's presence. That we could be adequate. Horrible word. Good enough. Good enough. Rain can be a bit of a pain. Anyone like the rain? Some of you might love it. There's times where I can't stand it. But when when we went to Uganda, they were were in the middle of a drought. It hadn't rained for months. And one day it started absolutely lashing it down. And we, I think Shirley was there at this point, and we, we sheltered and thought, we're not getting wet. But all these children and Ugandans were out dancing around, getting caked in red mud and clay. And they were loving it because they were so grateful for the rain. Because God was providing for their crops we'd be like, this is a bit of a nuisance. I wanted it to be sunny. You know, you might have gone to Malta and it'd been, you'd have liked the rain, there, wouldn't you? No, you don't like it hot, though, do you? No. So, you know, you might have gone somewhere and thought, oh, the rain, I should have stayed at home. We look at the forecast at home, don't we, when we're on holiday, because we want to say, haha, it's 30 degrees here and you're, you've got snow or something like that in the middle of August. But rain only soaks the outside, doesn't it? It only affects the outside you can be dried off and changed and totally dry again very quickly because rain only affects the surface. It only goes skin deep. Paul says in this passage, the thing that makes the difference is grace mixed with faith and love poured over me and into me. It's not just skin deep it's not just hitting the surface it's no good just letting God's word hit the surface when you watch these videos when you come to church it is no good letting it bounce off the skin and go I brought with me this morning some bananas okay this is a sealed packet of bananas okay Peter Docker can you tell me anything that's wrong with this packet of bananas no okay I'll tell you what's wrong with this packet of bananas the information on the outside says seven bananas. The information has been printed on this packet. It says seven bananas. The information has hit the surface. The facts have hit the surface. But when you look inside, how many bananas are there? Four. Four bananas. The truth hasn't penetrated the packet. It's hit the surface and that's it. That's, not, that's what some of us do on a Sunday. We let the truth hit the outside and we say, Very good, you know. Good good job, vicar. That's what Ian Sultan normally says to me. I'm not a vicar, but hey. The truth has hit the outside, but it hasn't gone deep. It hasn't gone internally. It hasn't allowed it to be impacted and affected. That's pretty satisfactory. That's pretty inadequate, isn't it? Would you agree? Yeah, pretty inadequate. Because the truth is only hitting the surface. This morning, to build the church, we need God's truth to get inside. We need the truth not to just be on the surface. We need it not to be seen outside and outwardly. We need it deep. And we need to allow God to open our lives up to Him completely. All because of Jesus, we can be good enough. If you leave this morning and say, Actually, I'm not good enough, God says otherwise. If you're a Christian, if you have given your life to Jesus, He says, You are good enough for what I've got for you to do. You are good enough. You are good enough. Let's carry on reading. 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 to 20. If anyone wants a banana, feel free. Just put your hand up. Okay. But there's only four, not seven. 1 Timothy 1, 15 says this. Here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. There it is again. You can take it to heart. It's not about having a smile on your face and letting it just go in your ears. You can take this to heart. You've got to allow it to go deep. And it's up to us whether that happens or not. It isn't anyone else's responsibility. It is up to us whether we are open to hear and do what God says. Paul says, here is something to take to heart. What are you and me quick to take to heart? I'll tell you the one thing that is most common that we take to heart. Offence. Would you agree? I think that's the one thing we are very quick to take to heart. Offence or insults or negative comments those are we're very quick to allow those to soak below the surface aren't we but God's truth is you are adequate you are good enough we can take offense to heart and you know when we take offense to heart we dwell on those things don't we When somebody says something about you, you're going, that Johnny Harrison said this about me today. That Johnny Harrison said I didn't like the sunshine. You know, you can take it to heart and you can dwell on it and it can go over and over and over in your mind and in your life. And actually, you've allowed it to go deep. How about we do that instead with God's truth? Instead of dwelling on those offensive things and those insults and those things that are us, let's take to heart the things that God says about you that God says about me. Instead of dwelling on those things that are just nonsense, dwell on the things that God says are true about you. Dwell on the things that God says are true. Don't be quick to take offense and let that go deep, but let Jesus be the heart. We can take pets to heart. You know, people, who's got, who's got a pet in here? Put your hand up, yeah, okay. Do you love them very much? Yeah, yeah, okay, we take our pets to heart. So much so that losing a pet is a really hard thing. You know, I love our diabetic dog. I know that it'll shock some people who are watching to hear that. I will be very sad when she goes to that farm in the countryside, you know the farm I mean, okay? I'll be really sad about that. But I won't miss the bills, and I won't miss the yapping and the barking at mealtimes that she wants when when grandma's brought her biscuits in to feed. I won't miss that, and I won't miss, you know, but I will miss the snuggling up on the sofa when she comes and sits next to me and just comforts me, you know, when Liverpool are possibly not winning, but they did yesterday, so it was okay. Why Why is that a difference? Because she's gotten below the surface of me and she's become part of my family. She has become part of who we are because I've allowed her in and I've allowed her to go deep within my life. And actually, we need to let God not just hit the surface, not just hit our ears, but we need to allow him to become part of our family. Paul says, don't let these words I'm about to say hit the surface. Let them sink deep. How are we going to do that? Learn them. Meditate on them. Remember them. Simple. Whose responsibility is that? Ours. (laughs) No one else can do it for you. Only you. This is the important thing he wants to say. Are we ready? This is what Paul is saying. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's an important thing to take to heart. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. All of us have sinned, but we've now become saints who sometimes sin, if we've allowed him in. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Let it sink deep. And Paul goes on to say this, I am proof public sinner number one, of someone who should never have made it apart from sheer mercy. You don't make it with effort, we make it with mercy. We make it with his mercy and his love. And now he shows me off as evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Deep honour and bright glory to the King of all time, one God, Immortal, invisible, ever and always. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love that in the message, instead of amen, oh, yes. Yes. I would often sit at Interflora Meals with my wife, Roz, and my in-laws, John and Carol, or at Flower Dems. I would sit there listening to my my in-laws, proudly talking of Ros's achievements, of what she does and and how good she is at this, and showing her off. They wanted to show her off to these people because they were proud of what she'd done. They wanted to say, look at my daughter. Look at what she's done. They wanted to speak of her achievements. She's wonderful. Well, take this to heart this morning. You are good enough, and God wants to show you off. God wants to show you off. You might think that God looks and sees just our mistakes. And you might think that he just becomes angrier and angrier and more and more frustrated with us and on the verge of giving up. But Paul says no. Because if Jesus in us, God wants to show us off. We're sons and daughters, not slaves. We're free, not feeble. You are good enough. And God shows you off. It's almost like he's putting your pictures that you've drawn in school on his fridge and saying, look at this. You know, when kids come home with artwork from, I, I, I'm glad my children are 20 and 23. Because when they used to come home from craft clubs and, and they would bring this thing that looked like, I don't know what, just a mess of glue and sticks and, and other things, you'd have to put it somewhere, wouldn't you? And actually, Ros has got boxes and boxes of things the kids have made. I'm thinking, who wants to see that really, you know? you'd put it on your fridge no matter how good it was no matter how because you're proud of your children and you want to show them off and that is what God feels about you and me he's also with us always we've sung this morning he's always with us hallelujah I am not alone I saw a quote as if it was written by God this week and it said this earth is stuffed with my presence little one choose to be aware of me I love that. Earth is stuffed with my presence, little one. Choose to be aware of me. So often, we ask him to be present. Or we say, God, be with me on this journey. Or we say, God, be with us this morning. Or we say, God, be with me in work. God is already there. And actually, that quote says, choose to be present. Choose to be aware of him. We need to be as present to God as God is present to us. And God is present to us all the time. We need to choose to be present and that will make all the difference. God isn't a tag-on to everything else in our lives. He's not an added extra. He's not just something you add to the bog basic life. He's the first and the last and he's the thing that should be put in first and he's the thing that should be counted last and he's the thing that should fill the middle because he is present always. He isn't someone to be squeezed in at the last minute. He's good, and he says, you are good enough for me. He says, you are good enough for me. If I said to you, I'm gonna take you for a meal fit for a king, what's your imagination filling with right now? A meal fit for a king. You know, Jim's Jim's salivating under his mask. A meal fit for a king. If you ever go to, you know, not much opportunity now, but Jim and Mary, if you go to their house, you get a meal fit for a king. A meal fit for a king means it's adequate for a king. It's good enough for a king. You are a person that is fit for the king. You are a person that is good enough. Whoever you are this morning, we are people fit for the king. Why? Because of his grace mixed with faith and love. And because of his mercy. And this passage finishes with these verses. It starts with, I'm passing this work on to you, my son Timothy. The prophetic word that was directed to you prepared us for this. All of those prayers are coming together now so you will do this well. Fearless in your struggle, keeping a firm grip on your faith and on yourself. After all, this is a fight we're in. Let's just read that little bit again. Fearless in your struggle, keeping a firm grip on your faith and on yourself. After all, this is a fight we're in. There are some you know who by relaxing their grip and thinking anything goes have made a thorough mess of their faith. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two of them. I let them wander off to Satan to be taught a lesson or two about not blaspheming. So as we finish this morning, I'm gonna keep repeating this. You are good enough. You are fit for a king. But also we need to get a grip. We need to get a grip on our faith and we need to get a grip on ourselves. One of the fruit of the Spirit, the last one, is self control. God gives us the strength to control our choices, He gives us the strength to rely on Him to help us in the midst of great temptation. Get a grip on our faith. A few weeks ago, I was at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, and there's a ride at Blackpool Pleasure Beach called the Grand National. It's an old, rickety wooden roller coaster. It's actually two roller coasters, because they race against each other. And it's an amazing ride, but my brain says it should no longer be passing any health and safety tests. Because it is the definition of a white knuckle ride. You sit on this old roller coaster carriage, which was probably made in the 1917 or something, well no, it would be after the war, wouldn't it? They wouldn't be doing frivolous things. It was made over a hundred years ago, I would say. And yeah, they've put a couple of seatbelts in, but all the way around, your bottom does not stay on the seat. You go up and down hills and you are up in the air most of the time. And then you come down with a bang occasionally. But it feels like the carriage isn't even on the, on the rails. It feels like it's flying about. And so while I was on that ride, I was getting a grip for dear life on the handles in front of me. Some people sit there with their arms in the air going, woo, you know. I'm sitting there going, I'm going to get thrown out of this carriage if I don't hold on. That's why it's called the white knuckle ride because you're holding on and your knuckles just go white because all the blood goes from them. Why do we grip onto that bar? Why do I grip on for dear life and not let go? Because it made me feel safe. It made me feel protected. It made me feel like everything was going to be okay. (laughs) What does Paul say? Get a grip on your faith. Why? Because it'll make you feel safe and it'll make you feel protected. Yet, not everything will go to plan. But if we recognise God's presence with us in it, it's far better than not having God's presence with us in it. Because he will be there. Or holding your children's hands when they were little, when they used to try and wriggle out of your hands. What would you do? You would hold on tight And grip them so that they couldn't wriggle. Because there was danger. Get a grip on ourselves the way we would grip onto our children when there's danger. Get a grip on our faith when the world is full of danger. Otherwise we'll end up relaxing our grip. And there will be pain. There will be danger. There will be suffering. Because if we get a grip on our faith and on ourselves, it will keep us eternally safe. It will keep us where we find strength and it will it will be what stops us coming off the rails a bit like that roller coaster in blackpool don't relax it get a grip of faith well what is faith this morning spring mount what is faith faith is come on being sure of what we hope for and certain of what I'm sure we did a series on this about 2 months ago you know let it this is a bit like the four bananas in the seven banana bag this people come on Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. We need to get a grip on it. We need to hold firm because building the church starts with knowing you're good enough and knowing who says that. Building the church starts with knowing you're good enough for the king, that he shows you off and he's proud of you and sees you as a son and daughter. But today, we need to get a grip on what we trust in. What do we trust in? We trust in Jesus. We trust in God, the immortal, the invisible, the only one. Being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. We need to get a grip on what we trust on. We need to know what we believe and who we believe in. And we need to keep hold and not be blown here and there by the winds of rumours and by the winds of this world. So today, church, to build you up, you are good enough You are shown off by the King. And today, it's our responsibility to keep a firm grip on our faith and on ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity today. I thank you for the the word that says I am good enough for what you've called me to do. That with you in my life, I can know your protection, I can know your provision, and I can know your eternal safety. Father God, I thank you. That your word tells me that I am precious, that I am your beloved, that, I am, that I, am, I am somebody you gave it all for, that I am worth it, and that you can make me holy. Father, I pray this morning that we will allow your truth to go below the surface, that we won't just have seven bananas printed on the outside, but only contain the four, that we will have printed on the outside that we are your children that we are your precious ones and that we will believe it and hold it firm on the inside of our lives. Help us to go deep with you and help us to know your presence today. In your name, amen.